Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hey, crazy birds. I hope you guys are doing well. Our guest today is an educator, a change agent, a columnist, a speaker, consultant, and a four-time best-selling author. She's also the founder of the thriving online education hub, Lotox Life, and the host of Lotox Life podcast. In this episode, we take a look at some of the toxic ingredients that are hiding in your shopping cart and also provide you with some Lotox Life tips. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. You are most welcome. And you've got quite an amazing journey. I would love to know actually how your journey started. It started through food, really. That was my gateway, if you like. And that gateway presented itself from a a long bout of chronic illness. And I had tonsillitis over and over again, finally ended up in a place where the antibiotics weren't working anymore which led me to have a wonderful friend who taught me to think outside the box and go see a naturopath. I didn't even know what that was back then. And the naturopath not only got me sorted and cured the tonsillitis in three days, but also pointed out that there was quite a direct correlation between non-celiac gluten sensitivity and overgrowth of the bugs that cause tonsillitis. And she suggested I go gluten-free. I was horrified. This was 17 years ago. This was not an easy thing to do back then. Like it is much, much easier now. But I was desperate and I tried. And sure enough, over the months, I just didn't get tonsillitis again. And it was really quite extraordinary. What that meant though, was I had to look at food packets for the first time in my life. And not only was I in the end looking up everything through the lens of, is this going to contain gluten or not? But because I inadvertently sort of discovered all these additives and preservatives that were in there by checking to see if they contained gluten, I realized what they were. And something woke up quite deep from inside of me around the abnormal weirdness of so many things that lined our supermarket shelves. And From there, over the years that followed, especially through then having a child a few years later, I looked at personal care, I looked at cleaning products and eventually realized, you know, if we're going to make leaps forward in our own health, we also have to have a double win. Us and the planet have to be winning. And it's not just what we put on us or in us. It's also how we're building our homes, how we're furnishing them and how we're keeping them healthy to keep us healthy. So it was really a multi-step decade of peeling layers, just like an onion really, to to get to what eventually I coined as the term uh, low-tox and leading a low-tox life. The pillars of that being food, body, home, and mind with an overarching emphasis on uh, the environment through all of that. 
Oh, wow. So basically the term was just inspired by obviously the way you had to live your life since. Yeah. When- and when I was considering writing a blog back in 2009-10, I wanted to call it or, or this way of living something that didn't have any absolutes, any black and whites, any real label that made it my way or the highway because I've always resented that kind of feeling of failure and shame that you got from doing someone's perfect protocol that they did beautifully and then everyone else sort of has these mixed results and then there's a lot of confusion and shame around that and I wanted to create something where people felt like they could really define this for themselves and the definition for me is to just constantly be working towards that next thing you're going to be curious about changing for the better for your health and the planet. I love that. And so what would you say is kind of this ethos of living a low-tox life? Well, just as I said, you know, it's really about thinking about what the basic elements are for what fuel us to thrive. And the beautiful thing is, is the very same things that help us thrive tend to be very much more connected to nature than we are today. And there tends to be an environmental benefit if we choose things that are better for us in a much more personal sense. And you could pick anything really. Like if it's your washing powder and you're going to choose a low-tox washing powder, turns out it also doesn't send forever chemicals out into the waterways and disrupt the endocrine system of fish and frogs. So you're not just looking after you, you end up looking after a much bigger picture thing. And I think dialing into that gives us a very healthy sense of purpose that a lot of health regimes, programs and changes haven't done in the past. It's really just about either losing the kilos or getting rid of your illness or eating clean, you know, whatever the labels have been, they've been quite selfish in and very insular in what they achieve. And I think when we achieve something much bigger than ourselves, we feel connected to everything else. And I think that's something we have lost and really love reconnecting with. I've seen it in so many thousands of people over the years putting that extra piece of the puzzle together and um, and really then finding change isn't hard and you don't feel like it's a struggle to stick to because you're dialed into a much bigger sense of purpose than just you. Exactly. And I mean, once you're kind of on this path and you just like realize how many things is actually harmful for you, but also the planet and with a lot of clever marketing out there, there's not a lot of transparency, unfortunately, you know, whether it's in our food system, our personal cleaning um, products, our actual cleaning products, you know, basically anything that we buy off the shelf has so many like hidden and in a lot of cases, toxic ingredients for us, as well as for the environment. How do we actually start educating ourselves to know what is exactly in our products? Well, I think, you know, that, that that's exactly why I created a course like Go Low Tox because it's not something you can do in a quick conversation. But I always love helping people who are just starting out really look at what the basic ways we can get started are. So to your question, I think with food, that's really the most simple thing I can recommend to anybody is to look at what's in your shopping trolley have a look at how many things don't resemble the raw materials that were used 
to produce that thing. So like, let's just say a can of soft drink or uh, an ultra processed flavored potato chip, those sorts of things, or those grain-based shapes and grain waves and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And if it doesn't look like you can identify the raw material, then that's an ultra processed food what could you do to start minimizing your packet foods and maximizing your produce-based foods? It's not rocket science. We really do, if you shop at a supermarket, have to shop around the outsides. And if you're ready to ditch the supermarket, I can't tell you how much better it is to dial into shopping from your farmer at a farmer's market. So that for me is the basic, basic tenant of low-tox food. There are obviously then many more considerations where that produce comes from, how things are farmed, regenerative agriculture, et cetera. But that definitely gets you going and gets you thinking, whoa, wow, gosh, so much processed stuff. And once we reinvest all of that money we used to spend on processed foods and packaged foods and start putting it into more nutritious meals, we need, we don't need those snacks in the first place, (laughs) you know, and you really end up being close to budget neutral if you do it smart. Then when it comes to cleaning products, one of the very simplest things I can recommend is that you look at the back of a cleaning product label. And if they don't list ingredients, if they only have a couple of active ingredients listed, then that doesn't provide you with any transparency as to what they put in their products. A low-tox brand will always list all ingredients. And you really want to shop from companies that are doing that, companies that don't make you click through five different areas of the website to find some tiny little six-point font that finally gives you the ingredient list. (laughs) That's really key. And then with personal care, one of the best things you can do is to have a think, and this kind of goes across cleaning as well, have a think about how many things you're buying that have a synthetic fragrance and start to swap out as you run out. It's really not about freaking out. It's about phasing out. But those synthetic fragrances are often composed with something that makes them a really sticky fragrance, like makes them long lasting, because we've come to believe that that's success when it's uh, when it, with a fragrance. Like it's got to be really powerful and strong and it's got to last. And it's one of the best realizations I help people with over the years is to realize how revolting and fake those fragrances are. You know, they tell you it's ocean fresh or spring breeze, but go buy a bunch of flowers, go walk on a beach. It smells nothing like those products. (laughs) And you start to kind of really realize how disconnected from nature we've become with our sense of smell and starting to phase those out, switch to brands that use natural essential oils or are fragrance free and you can add a little drop or two of the oils that you prefer, um, if any, is a wonderful way to get rid of some of the endocrine disruptive chemicals like phthalates, which are responsible for producing the power and stickiness of those potent fragrances in our personal care products. So those are just three tiny little areas you can get started, but they'll definitely keep you busy for a couple of months. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, when it comes to ingredients, there is just so many ingredients, but when you look at some of the stuff, is there any particular or some ingredients that if you see it on a, on a label or anything, you're just like, hell no, like, not coming with me. Is there any any particular ones that you can give us like a little heads up? Like, you know, if you spot that, put it back. 
So when I see the word parfum or fragrance, that's what I'm talking about with ditching that and phasing that out because it's often synthetic and contains the endocrine disruptive phthalates for the most part. There's always going to be one or two brands that are an exception, but you know, when you're learning, it's much better to just go with the broader understanding. And so I would never buy a product that contains synthetic fragrances unless it was asterisks that they came, that the fragrance came from a pure essential oil. Other things that I would absolutely not use are things like sodium laureth sulfate. I wouldn't use that in anything. It's often contaminated with 1,4-dioxin in the way that it's made, uh, which is a known carcinogen. And SLES is the um, acronym for it. And you often find that in laundry products, but also in personal care products that foam up like hand foam, wash, bath gels, shampoos. So it's definitely one to avoid in all of your personal care. But one that you only need to avoid for a couple of particular reasons is sodium laurel sulfate. That can be made from petroleum, which we definitely don't want. It can also be very common in personal care products and it's irritating in a personal care context to many, many people. I mean, think about how many people are having to use creams and balms and steroids for things like eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis and hives. And sodium laurel sulfate, just like it's more sort of toxic counterpart, sodium laureth sulfate, is still really damaging to our skin barrier. But SLS from a coconut-derived perspective is actually really, really powerful when you're cleaning your clothes or when you're putting on the dishwasher. That's not coming into direct contact with our skin and it biodegrades in the waterway before it reaches its destination. So it's very safe. You just want to make sure it's not petroleum-derived and uh, that it's coconut-derived instead. So keep your SLS to your clothes cleaning and dishwashing and ditch both SLS and SLES from any personal care products to minimise the amount of skin irritation. So those are just a couple of examples. Awesome. I definitely think I'm going to make up a little list and make sure every time I go to the grocery store, I do not add anything that's got that in. And I yeah. mean, that that's kind of the thing. What I would love is for more stores to actually stock low-tox products well, they do now, more and more. It's yeah, incredible. De- definitely. But how do we get our stores to come more on board? Like, is there a specific way that you felt, you know, dealing with some of these stores? How how do we interact and talk to them about low-tox life and bringing products that can actually help us and the environment? I think just sending emails. You know, they're not telepathic. But something they do notice is the rise of low-tox online shopping retailers, e-tailers like your uh, Flora and Fauna, Nourish Life. You know, these have become 20, 30, $40 million sized companies. That's market share that the supermarkets and big pharmacy chains are no longer receiving. And they see those market breakdowns and those trends and they start to stock them more. And that's why we're seeing this huge shift in towards low-tox natural brands. We're seeing some big powerhouse traditional brands starting to create greener products themselves. 
A lot of them still are a bit of a close but no cigar kind of situation, but it's headed in the right direction. So really this is passive activism at its finest where you literally stop buying your toothpaste, shampoo, yada yada from a supermarket context, start buying at an e-tailer. They see that segment climbing in the market report graphs and their segments declining and they change their range. It's as simple as that. No one is going to stock what people don't buy. And so it really starts with us changing our buying habits and wising up. Yeah, voting with our money every single purchase we I've we seen do. it. I've seen it. It it is so obvious that that is the greatest power we have. Well, yeah, I mean that is just something that we could do every single day and that is everything we do like from the way we bank to the way we actually spend to just like make sure that whatever money we have that it actually supports what we stand for as well. Exactly. Yeah. And you've mentioned previously a little bit about how you got to your gluten-free lifestyle and I mean you did this way before it ever became like kind of I would say some people think it's like a fashion trend you know being gluten-free for today and tomorrow it's (laughs) vegan and you know every day something switch but there's now more options available like can you tell us a little bit about how the market has actually changed in the last few years? What's interesting and I always tell people is you have to have your red flags still up for processed food. The best thing about going gluten-free 17 years ago now is the fact that there was no processed gluten-free food everything that was processed contained gluten back in the day. And so what it forced me to do was to actually learn how to cook with produce. So someone today having to go gluten-free might be thinking, oh my gosh, the cheesy puffs I put in my kid's lunchbox, thank God they're a gluten-free cheesy puffs. I'll just swap them. But you're swapping from processed food to processed food. And we really need to ensure that we don't make the mistake of just swapping all of our processed snacks to gluten-free processed snacks. I mean, you can get gluten-free Oreos these days or organic Oreos. They're still highly processed foods that our bodies don't recognize in the form that those are squished and pressed into. And so what I've seen the market do is wise up to the fact that a lot of people are buying more produce-based food again. So they see their snack category declining because one in 10 people are gluten intolerant. So they lose 10% of market share. And they think, crap, we got to make gluten-free processed foods. And so they do. <laughs> and of course, that makes people think, oh, they're making my life easier by providing allergy friendly options, but much easier is to grab a handful of nuts, a handful of blueberries, some celery and hummus. Those are the snacks that we should be eating and thriving on. And so while the market has responded to provide families that are gluten-free with tons of options, you still have to think, is this a highly processed food that I'm not really going to thrive on? Uh, Because a gluten-free cheesy puff is no better than a gluten-containing cheesy puff for human health in now and into the future. But what has been wonderful about the change has been you have wonderful independent bakeries doing gorgeous gluten-free sourdoughs. You have fantastic crackers that are being made predominantly out of seeds, tapioca, coconut flour, really good wholesome ingredients, much more nutrition than your vacuous kind of wheat-based snacks of yesteryear. So there have been some really great additions as well that make things easier for families. You don't have to cook everything from scratch. 
I, for one, hate baking bread. So I love the fact that I can buy a really lovely gluten-free sourdough from the bakery down the road who is exclusively gluten-free and enjoy. So it's much, much easier now than it was 17 years ago, but it's also more complex. And I think we still need to do the work to ditch the processed food altogether, or at least as much as possible. Oh yeah. And I mean, one thing that I've noticed a lot and every single time I go into the store, it just like flags up. It's this aisle that you see that they've labeled healthy food. And then I'm Mm. like, okay, so this aisle is the healthy food one. So what does all the other aisles mean? And then when you go go to this (laughs) aisle, that's when you typically see all of this like processed, like gluten-free and, you know, this is vegan suitable. And, you know, so yeah, it's got these options, but it's it's still, I wouldn't classify it as a healthy option. So no, it no, just makes me wonder. the healthy option. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. definitely I think people need to do a little bit more research in what it is that they are eating because, you know, there's a lot of greenwashing going on and they just like target whoever they can to buy their products. Yeah, it's pretty much only the tahini and the nut butter in that section <laughs> that that I would shop from. And even then, both those things are just so easy to make. And if you make them yourself, not only do you cut down on packaging, but you cut down on the 10% GST. So you're literally saving yourself 10% on your grocery bill. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great way to actually think about mm. it. And I mean, making stuff yourself, your website, which is lotoxlife.com, and I'm going to link it up in our show notes. That is full of like amazing recipes. Like what inspired you to actually start writing it down or putting it on the, on your website? Well, I think it was basically because I had a few friends that also had to go gluten-free, but they found it really hard and they didn't know how, you know, I did the work because I loved doing the work. It really woke something up in me, something really creative I had just been bartending and creating drinks for drinks companies and at a really high level. So I think it was a natural progression to move from cocktails to food and the alchemy of, of producing really beautiful things, especially the challenge of doing it with flowers or items you wouldn't normally use to bake a cake, say, or make a biscuit. And so people really wanted my recipes and I think because I had found ways to do gluten-free deliciously, that was also something a lot of people felt like they had to, if they had to make a healthy choice or live additive-free or had allergies, that they were always going to have to eat bland food. And I never wanted anyone to feel like that. I'm French. I was always going to find a way to make it delicious. And I think just creating those recipes and sharing them with the community over the years keeps the focus on deliciousness and gathering with people you love through lovely food and nutritious meals that don't have to be hard. But if you want a project every now and then, there's a a few cool challenges and you get a delicious result. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Because that's a thing. I think people always think being gluten-free or, you know, being mainly a plant-based diet, that the food that you're having is few lettuce, leaves and you know, Bob's your uncle, there you go. But Mm. that's not the case. There's so many delicious stuff. And I've discovered on your website, actually, how to make like Milo, 
also mm-hmm. without yeah. all the nasties. Because if you look at that package from the store, oh my goodness, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. So if our crazy birds actually head over to your website for some super delicious recipes, what are like three recipes that you would say, try them now, like go first for them? <laughs> Well, I think it depends on what you need or what you're seeking. So sometimes people are just seeking a really simple midweek family meal. And I can't tell you how many comments I've had over the years for winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's just (laughs) such a simple baked dinner meal, but a lot of people love it. When it comes to the treats, if you want to really wow your dinner guests uh, or you've got special people coming over for a celebration, the decadent chocolate ganache tart is beautiful. And if you want a really yummy snack for the kids, the crunchy banana buckwheat bars are delicious. I'm definitely a big kid when it comes to those. I love them too. So that's just a couple, but gosh, there are so many and I've got everything organized in an A to Z so that you can easily scan and and see. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm I'm going to try out these recipes as well. I'm going to link the ones that you've just mentioned in our show notes as well. So crazy birds, go there, check it out, make it easy. So you can just click to wherever you need to go. We talked a little bit about the fragrances and ditching synthetic fragrances today, but how do we make our house smell lovely a low-tox way? Okay, so the thing is, we got convinced by these companies that fresh air had to smell like something. And it's really just one of the biggest rorts because you should just open your windows if you want some fresh air. Install an air filter if you're somewhere super suburban and uh, you find that you can pick up on pollution smells. No amount of synthetic cherry plug-in air freshener is going to fix the problem that you have VOCs in your air from the car, bus, transport pollution right outside your window. Much better to get an air filter than to get something to cover it up. We've always covered up bad smells. We actually need to deal with what they are. One of my favourite ways to keep things like the fridge or pantry cupboards where you might keep garlic and things like that that can get a bit smelly is to just put a couple of bowls of bicarb soda out and open inside those cupboards and inside the fridge and you don't get anything stinky happening when you do that, which is pretty miraculous. But also essential oils, you know, really discovering the magic that's in these little bottles and creating beautiful blends depending on whether you need relaxation or focus. I love, you know, for example, rosemary is a great one to put on while the homework has to be done. But to relax, I love Ylang Ylang, it's a beautiful anxiety diffuser, just delicious. And you don't need much. It's like bringing a forest or a plantation into your house. It's really quite incredible, Um, a beautiful, simple way to connect to nature. Some people can have reactions to essential oils. I find the woody, citrusy, herbaceous ones tend to be less reactive than the floral ones as a general rule. And you might also want to have a look at safety sheets around essential oils and pets, just in case you have a cat or a dog at home. Um, There are certain essential oils, for example, like tea tree or clove that you don't really want to be putting on inside a closed house without any windows open if you have a, a furry friend at home. So I'm a huge fan of essential oils, but also I like to throw up a bit of a precaution there because a lot of that is often not done 
when it comes to essential oils. It's like more is more. It's like, no, sometimes less is more. Yeah. And I mean, a little goes a long way because when you look at some of these essential oils, I always make sure that I purchase an organic essential oil, because again, you don't want to purchase something that is actually just a fragrance and it's not really an essential Mm. oil. So make sure what it is that you're purchasing is is a good quality product, but that is normally a little bit more expensive. But what I love about these and the essential oils that I've been using is literally you only need like a drop or two and it really goes a long way. Mm. So, you know, you might purchase that for 20 or how many ever dollars, but it's definitely going to last you a couple of months, if not yeah. even years. Mm. Absolutely. So Lotox Life has actually grown from strength to strength. You've got like an entire community. Can you tell our crazy birds a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I guess. Now across both social media platforms, I think we're at about 110,000 people and I'm sure there's some overlap in there, but that's just when you add everything up. I think what resonated with people with the way I wrote or created recipes or did exposés is it was never a judgment of people. We can only know what we know based on where we got to from our, you know, in our life so far feeling guilty or chastising yourself for information you didn't have at your fingertips prior and, you know, berating yourself for having used an air freshener or whatever, it's just not useful. And I think because I've never brought that kind of condescending language or you have to do this preachy stuff, it really has resonated with people. So it's a beautiful, loving community of people who are just seeking to do the very best they can, either they're families that have allergies people that experience chronic illness or have various health challenges, maybe fussy eating uh, families that need some support there. And of course, then uh, the people who want to always be looking at how they can reduce environmental toxins, but we're all very planet conscious as well. So I think everything together makes for just an evolved human who is conscious and looking for the next way we can improve things for us and the planet. And I can tell you I've banned probably six people on my page or socials in 10 years to just give you an idea of the tone. And I think when you set a tone that focuses on everybody's overlaps rather than our divisions, it makes for a really harmonious place. And I am someone who thrives on harmony myself. I'm not out to make enemies, you know, one of the business rules or advice out there is often if you don't have enemies, you're not, you don't have the courage of your convictions. And I just don't buy that. I think it's more important than ever to focus on how we all overlap rather than take a stand, put a fork in the road, be black and white and be against anyone who thinks differently to you. I just don't think that's going to get us where we need to go. So I'm very proud of the wonderful common goal-oriented space that I've created. And I think that that leadership then just shows you why it's so peaceful everywhere when you look around. Yeah, because I feel, you know, if something is like that, it's peaceful, you know, you can go to 
ask a question and you know you're going to have support around you. You're not going to be scared to ask the question in the first place because you know, oh, there might be 10 or 20 people that's going to have negative comments and, you know, this person's going to say this. And, you know, so it it really helps. And I mean, that's what I felt along the way with my journey as well. You know, living a zero waste lifestyle has you know, has had its challenges. But if you are going to judge other people because they're not at the same point at where you are, then that's just going to be crazy. And people I found have learned a lot more through the stuff that I was doing instead of, you know, being very preachy or, you know, telling them, no, this, this, you have to do it like this. But rather than seeing what I'm doing and you know, totally changed their perspective and made them want to change as well. Mm, absolutely. So you are also the host of a Low Tox Life podcast and you've interviewed some fantastic guests. I mean, goodness, you've got over 200 episodes. So well done. I know how hard it is to just put one episode on. So let alone 200. So I'm going to give you a round of applause for that one as well. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell us about the podcast? How did it start it? And yeah, just a little bit about that. So the podcast started in 2016 uh, and is now four and a half years old. And I started it because I'm not a health professional. I'm a coach. So I'm very much a cheerleader that's in people's corner, helping them achieve their goals. But I wanted to always bring the people that are at the forefront of all the different aspects of leading a low-tox life, whether it's food, body, home, mind, or planet care, or personal health care, to an audience and to my audience. Um, I had seen so many people mention different challenges, have more questions about different topics, and what better way to support the community ongoing through the various aspects of leading a low-tox life than staying abreast of the best science the most brilliant minds in all sorts of areas. So that's why on the show, you'll find one show about cutting edge, preventative and reversing Alzheimer's uh, research uh, with someone incredible like Dr. Dale Bredesen. And then next you might find someone who helps us interpret our dreams. Next you might find one of the best climate scientists in the country talking to us about what we can do on a personal level Next, you might find uh, an eco-builder who helps people build homes that are going to be healthy for them to live in for the long term. And then you might find a show on perimenopause with an incredible hormone doctor. So it really is just the biggest, most eclectic range of topics across all aspects of leading a low-tox life. And I think it just helps us realise that at different points in our life, we're going to have different focuses depending on what challenges or curiosities we might have at the time. And I feel like the podcast being so eclectic helps us all stay humble and realize, whoa, this is big and we don't have to do everything all the time. Let's focus here this week. Let's focus there. Brilliant. And for any of our crazy birds that's listening now that want to head over and listen to your podcast, is there any particular one that you would say, you know what, if you're new to the podcast, like check out this one first and then work your way through these like 200. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we've got a podcast directory on lowtoxlife.com when you click podcast. So you can actually see food, body, home, mind, environment and broken up into those um, subcategories. So anyone who's listening now, who's thinking, God, I'm really focused on 
food right now, then you've got all the food topics together that you can work on and then do the rest. But a couple that stick in my mind as being really great shows that have helped so many people are um, the one I did on stress with Dr. Libby Weaver. I loved that conversation. The one on hormone health with uh, Dr. Carrie Jones. I really think the Alzheimer's shows that I've done with Dr. Dale Bredesen, who's an incredible mind. So many of us are worried about maybe elderly family or thinking about what we can do to keep our brains healthy as we get older. I just think it's great basic knowledge. And then if you're interested in environmental toxin reduction, Professor Mark Cohen came on the show a couple of times over the years and we did one that were 10 toxic truths, which was really, really a sort of eye-opening for, especially for a beginner who just wants to know where they need to focus in on. And Mark's incredible. So those are a couple to get you going. Oh, wow. I love it. And I've been loving to actually listening to the podcast as well. You know, you've got some great guests and it's just amazing to hear you week on week, just bringing amazing value to us as well. So thank you for that. And you also have a book. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and where our crazy birds might get it? So the book is called Low Tox Life as well. Really original. I just call everything Low Tox Life. (laughs) And that came out two and a half years ago. And the best place you can get it is actually at Target stores nationally because it's in the Christmas catalogue again, which I just can't believe. I remember when it first came out in 2018, my publisher said, look, it's very exciting that they've taken it on. Just so you know, Target just does a three-month launch purchase and then they move on to whatever the newest, hottest thing is. Two and a half years later, it's still at Target. Aldi have taken it from one of their super specials three times now, just about to do the fourth. And so it's obviously a book that's resonating with people. And I think the reason is, is because it just gives everybody really simple things they can do to get started in leading a low-tox life. No judgment, only support and positive, optimistic language to really help move the needle for everybody. And I think, you know, you have a great mix of DIY recipes and also ingredients to look up in packaged products. So everyone, depending on how they want to come at this, is looked after in that book. And and I share a lot about how I got started and what my 26-year-old self looked like. And if anyone wants to feel good about themselves now, just read the first page of my book because uh, it was a bit of a shocker. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm sure many of our crazy birds are going to love it as well. I'm looking forward to see more of your recipes and everything. It's been amazing to actually see how it's grown. And yeah, it's great. Alex, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? Oh, gosh. I really think ditching ultra-processed foods. It's huge. It's absolutely huge from the packaging perspective to how much air miles, how many air miles you need to get all those ingredients into a processing plant, the food technology, the additives, the preservatives that don't need to exist anymore if you just buy from local farms. That is just one of the biggest things you can do for Mama Earth, that's for sure. Awesome. Hey, Crazy Birds, before we move on with this interview, I wanted to take a little break and just say thank you for you, yes, you, listening to this podcast every single time. I honestly, I really appreciate it so much. And like, you guys are the reason why I keep on doing this And I just wanted to take a moment just to say thank you. 
Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And keep on supporting. It's really been helping me a lot. If you ever felt that this podcast has really helped and inspired you, please share it with a friend or family. And if you have a spare moment, please do take it some time and actually rate and review the podcast. It helps me so much and it helps other people to discover the podcast as well. I know everyone is busy and always trying to get a million things done. So yeah, I would really, really appreciate it. And just as a little thank you, as always, you know, love to give back to you guys. You know, if you've done that, hit me up, send me a message and let me know. I would love to personally thank you as well. And if you have not downloaded my ebook on how you can actually reduce your waste, your beginner's guide, you can go online and go to the link in bio on Instagram, on the website. It's all there. And start with that whole journey if you're, if you're just starting out. So thank you so much again for listening and for being part of this community. Love and appreciate you guys. Now, let's dig right back in for the final five. So the first one is... What is one social media account or publication that you follow? Uh, Brene Brown. I love her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Awesome. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that governments start to subsidize regenerative agriculture education and implementation. Oh, that's a, that's a big one and such, so, so important And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Uh, Have a look at your shopping trolley. Think about how far some of the things have travelled or how foreign some of the things might look compared to their raw materials, as we talked about earlier in the show, and make a plan to either break up with that thing or find a better substitute, a, a recipe you get excited about producing and go veer off in the arcade to the bulk food store and buy some individual ingredients to make something beautiful. What is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? That when you think about your diet and when you think about whole systems thinking, we actually need all kinds of eaters in the global food chain because of the way land is and what thrives where. So a huge misconception is that we need to switch everything to crop-based agriculture. It's simply not, and we wouldn't be able to feed the world. That's the great irony. So one of my biggest ahas for people is to rather than focus on trying to fight each other or figure out what the perfect diet is, is to realize that 50% of our shopping trolleys contain ultra-processed foods and 30% of the food that we purchase is wasted, either wasted because it's not composted when you think of veggie scraps or wasted because it goes off and we have to throw it away. So much more effective for all of us is to start cutting the arguing on the internet about what the perfect diet is and actually stop wasting food and stop eating ultra-processed food. Oh, wow. That's a big one. (laughs) Mm, Huge. Alex, where can people find you? 
Well, that is the easiest thing on earth because I'm highly unoriginal, as I said before. So Lotox Life is where you find me for everything, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's the podcast or the book, all of it comes under Lotox Life. Oh, awesome. And I'm going to link all of that up to make it easier for all of our crazy birds. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the podcast. It was thank you lovely for talking me. to you. Such a pleasure to be on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.